You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, doing well. Healthy alive. Just been uh, kind of skimming over this, um, the Nashville bombing, trying to dig into it a little bit, find out yeah, what uh, the facts behind it. There's some, okay, there, there's some new stuff that's come out about that. There, There's a few things. They've ID'd a suspect. Apparently, you and I were saying that there were two different people, but we didn't even realize that there were two different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, uh, uh, I I don't know, the surveillance footage, the CCTV footage that's out on it is a little, shall we say, deceiving. Uh, But we, I I took the video, I sent it over, uh, we were looking at it, and it looks like what it, okay, how do I say this? It looks like what it doesn't look like. And it doesn't look like the explosion actually comes from the RV itself. It looks like it actually comes from the middle of the street, but there's an explanation behind that. So I sent it over to Marty. I had him take a look at it and... He was going through explaining all of the the reason that it could look like uh, it exploded the way that it did. So when we have him back on later this week, because he can explain all that, when we have him back back later this week, he will uh, go into further detail about uh, what all that is. But in a nutshell, it the explosion, because people are going to see this video, the explosion looks like it comes from the middle of the street, but it actually doesn't. And there's a reason for that. And he will explain into further detail as to why he was going through explaining. All I said, oh, just stop <laughs> and just bring it when you come back this week and, and we'll talk about it then. So that's what we're going to do. But what are you looking into? What what have you actually seen? Because they've they've ID'd this guy that was uh, supposedly the, the driver, the Anthony Quinn Warner is the guy's name. So mm-hmm. what, is that what you're looking into? Is this guy? Yeah, looking into him a bit. Um, uh, basically, the 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 short of it is he uh, was not married, uh, has no kids. Um, uh, basically, was a recluse. Lived in the same neighborhood for mm-hmm. like twenty five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neighbors said he was a nice dude, kept to himself. That, doesn't that sound like the typical story, though? Oh, he's a nice yeah. guy, keeps to himself, doesn't bother anyone. Well, it doesn't bother anyone. Uh, the the neighbor also mentioned some of the uh, little projects he would do for his pets, so that they didn't have to, as they got older, they didn't have to climb stairs and whatnot. So he built ramps and all this kind of stuff. So I mean, he, you know, they they talk about the the little things like that, and uh, yeah. Interestingly but, enough, yeah, I knew. Okay, th- there's a but. What is the but? Well, he has no online presence per se, no social media. So you can't really, you know, track what he's been following or what he talks about on social media. He's a tech guy. He worked uh, repairing computers. He has a state license to install alarm systems. Um, You know, the the guy, uh, some of the other information I'm seeing is he was probably one of the 5G conspiracy theorists. And then that might have been Uh one of the motives behind the the bombing itself. Along with the NSA tracking. Was he wearing a tinfoil? I'm looking at the actual video of the RV going through the security camera footage. I don't see a tinfoil hat on him. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if they actually found a tinfoil hat at his location either. Um, Apparently, he's been 
uh, planning this for at least a month because his house um, he gave to some woman out of L.A. It literally just transferred the deed over to her, basically. He quit all of his job contract work that he had. He, he closed all those out. So, I mean, he, he was doing everything prepping for it, uh, it looks like. Uh, Anything so. about that seem off to you? I mean, all of a sudden, like, here's this guy that's got all this, you know, seems like a, a normal, just quiet life. And then all of a sudden he just goes out and, and 86 himself. It doesn't doesn't play. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not getting all the, like into the conspiracy stuff. I, I mean, I really don't care about all this stuff. But here, here's a guy who's uh, OK. So he stays off social media. OK, so do I. So do you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can't judge someone on that. OK, he's down into like the 5G conspiracy stuff or, or whatever. OK, there's a lot of people that do that. But. What, he's going to go out and he's going to uh, just take his own life like that? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get it. Maybe Okay, maybe there was an underlying depression thing there or whatever, but I don't know. Just something about it just doesn't just doesn't seem like it plays. It's possible. I mean, he had family that had just passed away. He had no real like uh, close friends or family that were left. Okay, all um, right. Fair enough. Guy had no family, had no one in the world. All right. Basically, yeah. Um, it does say he had a past arrest warrant or, or um, arrest history from back in the 1970s. Some kind of felony charge, it looks like. He had a year uh, maximum of a year in prison and two years probation. Uh, it's like control, uh, controlled substance. So, I mean, you look at the guy, the picture of the guy, he looks like something back from the he, 1970s. and He does know. look like he's a throwback from like Burning Man or something. You know, no disrespect yeah. to anyone that goes to Burning Man, if you if you believe that. GP and I were actually going to go this year, but, uh, well, you know, we talked about it, but then COVID happened, so that wasn't really possible. We were just going to, we were going to podcast from out there. We were going to go out and have a good time and uh, uh, and interview some of the uh the crazy, I mean, the uh, the attenders, uh, and just have a good time with it. Unfortunately, because of China, <clears throat> yeah, I'll say that uh, because that's that's what well, I guess that's not really that's not correct to say because of the UK because they're responsible. You see, oh right, uh, yeah, the it, new strain due to, mm-hmm. due to what we talked about yesterday. Yeah, COVID twenty is now upon us, and it is coming from the UK. It's not coming from China. Yeah, it's coming from the UK this time. So, which funny enough, there's a resurgence in in China, but we'll talk about that in a minute. What else you got on Nashville? Um, so just, uh, to sum it up, they don't know the motive right now, or at least they're not talking about the motive. The, the guy like has one. no, I mean, yeah, like, there's really nothing no, to go on. There's not. And because he has no social media, of, uh, uh, history or any of that, there's nothing there to see what his ideology is. We don't know if he's left, right. We don't know if this is a conspiracy theory that he was going off of. We, we really don't know what the, the gist of it is. And because he didn't talk to his neighbors, uh, we, we don't really have any, any idea, uh, where his position is. Well, as anybody that's done any kind of investigative work before, you know, that you have to start with a baseline somewhere. You always have to start mm-hmm. with a baseline somewhere. And with this guy, I mean, some, some of us that have done that kind of work, we know how to protect ourselves and we know how to, you know, kind of layer ourselves and keep ourselves out of that. So we don't have a legitimate baseline that can be established without actually doing a lot of work. And so it's, yeah. it's really hard to do that. But this guy seems to take that same approach is mm-hmm. he's gotten rid of his baseline and so no one can can actually uh, track what he's doing. When I say is an example of a baseline, if you need to, for example, uh, an insurance company came to me one point in time and they asked me to track a person down for an insurance claim. And I said, OK, I said, well, what do you have to go on that I can start with? And they said, well, we really don't have a whole lot. And I said, well, can we start somewhere? And they said, we know what kind of shirt the person was wearing and we know that what direction the car was going. That's all I had. 
if you can imagine. <laughs> That's all I had. Yeah, yeah. And just to give you an idea of the power of social media, I, I say that because, and this is a true story, I say that because of what I'm about to say. And usually we would have this kind of a conversation on one of our digital dark ages, which maybe we can at some point. But mm -hmm. just to give you an idea of the power of social media, within 30 minutes, okay, that was all I had to go on. Within 30 minutes, I knew who the person was, I knew where they lived, I knew who their family were, I knew who their friends were, and I knew what their date of birth was. And I also knew where they went to college and what they graduated college with in 30 minutes, just to give you an idea. Now, if this person, that of course, that was, you know, that's social media, what do you want? But this guy doesn't have any kind of a baseline for anyone to go off of. It's going to be very difficult for them to establish a motive if there's no baseline. Yeah, unless he's got some kind of like journal that he keeps or something. I honestly, at this point, because he has no family left, uh, not many friends, if any, um, the, this woman uh, that he did the quit claim deed to, uh, uh, she claims to know nothing of what's going on. So, I mean, there might not be anything to really track uh, if he if he did um, did good covering his tracks. So I, I, I don't know. It's possible the dude was a conspiracy theorist, uh, thought the NSA was tracking and thought 5G was a thing and he was just trying to leave a message and, and going out with a bang, if you will, because um, he had nothing really left uh, necessarily. So I don't know. Uh, and the other the other possible conclusion is he was um, a convenient um, uh, scapegoat. There could be something else could have going been. on and they just there, there could them as a... Exactly. Know. And when that first happened, that's what I said to you offline. I said he was probably a scapegoat for something else. I, I don't know that. I'm just... That's just looking at it on the surface. That's how I see it. But there's he also the, the other side of it. He does fit the MO. He does... Certainly, he does fit the MO. You know, he's he's the perfect patsy, if you will. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, he, he also, if he goes along the other line, like you're talking about where he's got no family, he's got no nothing. I mean, he goes out and he does it on Christmas day. Thank God no one else was killed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the other thing that it's kind of weird about it is, um, there was a timer, um, as in like, uh, it played a warning message saying there was a bomb. It's going to go off in 15 minutes. It played music. It was actually a woman's voice. Now it could easily have been something like Siri or something, or or you know one of the the various Microsoft voices. Yeah, you um, can program that, these things. Yeah. I think you can actually go out and get the. I won't say it because it'll trigger listeners' devices, but the uh, the Amazon device well, that yeah text to speech. Yeah, we could just put it that way. Text to speech. Yeah, you uh, can get any of those voices of those. and yeah. make them say whatever you want. Yeah, so it could have easily been that he had playlist set up so it played music. Um, being as the guy is a bit of a techie, um, it guy, but he doesn't, he's not in the social media world. And if he is a conspiracy theorist, why would he use one of those devices? So some of those, that doesn't really add up in that sense, but he tried to get the area to evacuate before the bomb went off. So his intentions doesn't, at least on the surface, doesn't seem like he was trying to hurt anybody. So... I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a conspiracy Bruce, theorist. He's, and, Bruce, he's driving. He he's dry. I mean, he he looks like he's driving a uh, uh, what's what was the TV show Breaking Bad uh, laboratory down through there, and <laughs> and you're you know with the intention to detonate it in front of uh, an AT and T building, and you're saying, well, at least he didn't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> well, that's I mean, on the surface, it's not like I said yesterday. It's not. He's not pulling up in a in a uh like a Penske truck or a U-Haul loaded down with uh, explosives uh and and blowing up an entire city block 
you know, devastating it. Instead of this one, it, it just kind of blew off some windows, blew some power lines, did some superficial damage, uh, did some damage to like internet lines and, you know, but he didn't actually kill anybody. It was only some injuries. So other than himself. So I don't know. It just, it seems, it feels off. It feels weird. This, this doesn't seem Something doesn't seem right about this. Yeah, none of it does. N- none of it does. Uh, either either sto- either way you look at it, whether you look at the conspiratorial side of it or if you look at what they've reported on it, nothing about it seems right. Because so I think it's just because like the one factor that we're not playing into this. OK, the nine one one systems in four states. OK, that I see that being a problem. But I think the other thing was uh, the other part of this that we're glossing over was this was one of the headquarters for Dominion voting, wasn't it? Um, no, actually, it was no. Um, okay, yeah. The, I, that, I thought the, I thought that's what was covered on it. Was was that? Yeah, I I dug into that a bit too, and they're they're saying that that supposedly was a conspiracy. AT and T has said no, this isn't true. We don't have any kind of affiliation with that here at this building. Okay, right. um, so so it was yeah. the nine one one system. So that's the only thing that I can conclude on this. It was the nine one one system, the internet. Um, uh, there was also cell phone tower, uh, like cell phone, um, systems that were there. Those were up pretty quick. Um, the internet and emergency services were not. So I, I think the internet might still be down currently. So I don't know. Very interesting. All right. Well, we will talk more on that explosion later this week. Uh, and we'll talk about any other developments as the uh, week progresses. On to COVID. I'm sure he's not the only one, but a 75 year old man who has received the COVID-19 vaccine has died of a heart attack. Uh, this happened in northern Israel, I believe. A uh, 75 year old man from I'm not even going to pretend attempt to pronounce that Uh, 75-year-old man died of a heart attack about two hours after being vaccinated against novel coronavirus on Monday morning. The health ministry reported, again, this is Israel. Uh, The man had pre-existing conditions and had suffered from heart attacks in the past. The health ministry director, General uh, Shezi Levy, has launched an investigation into the incident. We share we share in the grief of the family, he said in a statement. The man was inoculated around 8.30 a.m. at a Claylet Health Services clinic. He stayed at the facility as is customary, for a short period of time, just to ensure that he had no side effects. When he felt well, the clinic released him. Initial findings didn't show a link between the man's death and his vaccination. Hmm, interesting. But we've been hearing about adverse reactions and severe allergic reactions. So why wouldn't you immediately associate it with the vaccination? Why wouldn't you do that? Or is it the fear factor you think they're going for here? Because uh, a Boston doctor who received a COVID vaccine, the Moderna one, I might add, uh, developed a severe allergic reaction after getting that one. Boston physician said that he now, mind you, he's a physician. He's a doctor himself. And I've always heard the term doctors make the worst patients, all that stuff. Yeah, nurses do, too. A Boston physician said he developed a severe allergic reaction minutes after receiving Moderna's COVID vaccine on Thursday in the first week of nationwide rollouts uh, for the company's shots. The case was the first of its kind reported to be linked to the Moderna vaccine, which isn't that the one Fauci got was the Moderna one. That's a good question. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think that's when he got. I think that's when he got. He didn't get Pfizer. I think he got Moderna. Well, I mean, of course, I'm sure it wasn't sugar water or saline water or anything like that. Oh, of course not. They wouldn't. Do I'm sure it was. Like no, that. of course not. I'm sure it was the real one. The case was the first of its kind to be linked to the Moderna vaccine. Federal agencies are investigating at least six cases involving people who suffered anaphylaxis. I love how they use that. Why don't you just say anaphylactic shock? It's the same mm-hmm. thing. After receiving Fi- Pfizer BioNTech's vaccine, BioNTech. Interesting thing about the CEO of that company. He said that it's possible we could be dealing with the coronavirus until 
Guess what year, Bruce? Guess what year he predicted? 2030. 2030. You know, just if we could just get to 2030, I feel like we could be all past this. There's something interesting that's supposed to happen in 2030. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something interesting that's supposed to happen in the year 2030. Or you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's what um, uh, Moderna, by the way, is the one that Fauci received. Fauci got. Yeah. okay. Uh, You know what, Fauci? I'm so sick of looking at this guy. I'm beyond sick of looking at this guy. He's been around too long. I mean, the guy's been in health. Excuse me. The guy's been in politics for four decades. Mm -hmm. He's not a he's not a physician at this point. I don't think the guy's seen a patient in 20 years, but he's uh, he's not he's not a medical professional at this point. He's a professional politician at this point. And that's all he's done. This guy has single-handedly wrecked the economies of multiple Western nations because people are following his lead in other countries. And we'll talk about him here shortly. Did, or, or did you do you want to get to him now? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to jump into him now. Well, I mean, uh, just uh, the only thing really to go on there is uh, he admit he admitted to lying to the American people. Oh, really? Not really the world. But I mean, that, that no, you know, nothing major or anything. He, he only lied about masks. He only lied about uh-huh. the... Um, uh, immune, herd immunity threshold, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. it, 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 nothing, nothing major, right? And Just, he uh, did say, he did say in the beginning that, I mean, that obviously we need to take it seriously and, and do the right thing, but and do the things mm-hmm, that the CDC mm-hmm. talk about. But I mean, it's not a major threat to the U.S. and that's not something that the people of the U.S. should be worried about, I think is what he said, right? Right. He did, he did say we shouldn't be worried about it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said the same thing about the second strain. He said, there's no reason to be concerned about this. And today he's out saying, we've got to take this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He admitted to in a New York Times interview, New York Times, um, uh, basically uh, he kind of skewed the numbers ever so slightly about um, the percentage of people that need to be vaccinated for herd immunity to take effect. He skewed those numbers just a little bit to get people to be more accepting of vaccines because there was only 40% of Americans that were saying they would take the vaccine. So he just said, well, we need anywhere from you know 80 to 85% of Americans to take the vaccine for it to, to gain herd immunity. And mm-hmm. that nudged um, 60% of the population to say, yeah, we're, we're okay with a, a vaccine. So he was just kind of nudging a little bit. And uh, of course, it's I'm sure it's just sheer coincidence that the World Health Organization over Christmas just quietly changed the definition of herd immunity to conform to that agenda that he's been nudging up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah, just a you know, not even really a coincidence. It just kind of happened, you know, around the same time. I don't think it's even really, you know, not, nothing to see here. Fauci said, and I'm quoting here, he says, we need to have some humility here. Oh, we do. We do, do we? We need to have some humility. How about we have some uh, some indictments, right? How's that for humility? Can we do that? Yeah. Oh, I, I would indict you as as being a fraud, sir. That's what I would do. Uh, and inciting fear and panic amongst the population to carry out an agenda that you have investments in, I might add. He says, we don't really know what the real number is. Well, I thought the numbers were rock solid. I, I thought all we've been hearing over the last several months is uh, this is this is exactly how it's going to be. And this is how we need to plan around this. You can't plan a pandemic unless you're creating one, can you? He says, I think the real range is somewhere between 70 and 90 percent, but I'm not going to say 90 percent. You know, this guy is a slick politician. I have to give it to him. He is someone that knows how to play the political game. And he know, he's somebody that knows how to play the political game without ever having obtained a single vote from a person. Isn't that amazing? Well, I mean, he's been in this for 40 years. So 40 yeah. years, 40 years. 
And by the way, yep. he's got investments in all this stuff. Do you remember remdesivir? Do, do, you, do you remember mm-hmm. that drug? Does everybody remember remdesivir? Okay, yeah, that drug right. failed all of the trials. Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, it was signed by who to be approved? By Dr. Mm-hmm. Anthony Fauci. And mm-hmm. by the way, who has major investments in that company that ha- that produces remdesivir? Mm-hmm. The sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci that they're going to charge you $3,000 a dose for, I might add. Yeah. And in case people forgot, I, I love this. I, I bring this up, I know, but uh, quite often in my in my, the, um, every day when, we, when this happens. But uh, I, I remind people that uh, when the president was talking about hydroxychloroquine, and how bad and 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 terrible of the president to talk about hydroxychloroquine. He also mentioned in that same speech remdesivir. What is remdesivir? Remdesivir. Yeah, he was he was doing a French French pronunciation. Was he doing it on purpose? Remdesivir. I. It was on purpose. Uh, whether or not he was doing it as a joke or or what, I don't know. But it was. He, I think he said it multiple times, or at least once. He he said "rendezvous." <laughs> anyway, I point that that's out just, because that's Trump, man. That's just Trump. It it is Trump, but I point that out because uh, the media went bat crap crazy over the hydroxychloroquine bit and didn't mention the remdesivir. Um, either they didn't put two and two together, realize that that's what he was meaning, or knowing that Fauci, you know, kind of. Uh, Wants that one to succeed. You got me over your left rim desk wall. <laughs> That's just okay. Um, so the, I, here's my question: Who's this guy responsible for? To who's he responsible to? As in who who oversees him? Is it the Fauci's not the head? He's just a head of one of the departments. He's the head of the allergy and infectious diseases. So he's yeah, the so head of that department. So he's the head he, of the department of allergies, uh, as you said. So the head of the NIH is over him. Technically. Okay. And that is appointed by the president. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So you can't you can't directly fire someone like Fauci in that position because it's appointed by the head of the NIH. So you can't get rid of Fauci unless you get rid of the, the head of the NIH. Is that correct? Um, not exactly. So the organization is directly under the president. So technically, the president as the CEO of the organization does have the power to fire whoever he wishes in the organization so or in that department. So technically speaking, he can fire him, but unfortunately, there's laws in place or rules or something that basically makes these guys immune to being fired, almost literally. Isn't that really sad? We got to sit here and we got to put up with these these uh, idiots in all yep. this. I mean, here here's a guy who was little known by not just the American populace, but the, but the world a year and a half ago. No one really knew who this guy was. Hell, I didn't know who this guy was. And you and I are in this politics stuff all the time, doing research and digging around. I mean, I might have seen his name a time or two on some some academic papers without even realizing it, but I didn't pay any mind to it. But here this guy is, and he's risen as this this political figure in this... this um, well, apparently, according to GQ magazine, isn't he that he's a, he's like the sexiest man alive now or something? Yeah, something like that. They, they I mean, voted him in. Yeah, they put him at, they put him out there. It was so disgusting. They put him out there sitting next to his swimming pool, right in his Gucci shoes and his his ten thousand dollar watch and some sunglasses talking about how he's uh, he's the greatest thing. They were putting out donuts of this guy or whatever. I mean, literally with his, uh, donuts with his face on it. I'm not joking. I think Duncan did those. Yeah. And candles, all kinds. Yeah, of Yeah, candles, all, all kinds of stuff. And it's underwear. like, does it? They had Fauci underwear. They had Fauci underwear. Oh, my God. Well, the, the fact is, is that they turned this guy into this this icon to the loonies out there. He's like a cult leader. 
That's what they've done to him. They've turned him into this uh, in, into this cult leader. And everything that this guy's talked about from the start has been wrong. All of it. He's been incorrect about everything. The initial numbers that were given by Mr. Armageddon, yeah, Mr. Neil Ferguson out of the UK, right? We have our UK guys on. They talk about how, well, that's what they call him in the UK is Mr. Armageddon because he predicts these uh, mass extinction level numbers. And so Fauci takes these uh, these figures of like 4 million or 6 million or whatever it was. He hands it to Trump and they shut the economy down. And it was just, just 14 days to flatten the curve. Just 14. Now it's 14 days to flatten the curve in 10 years. You, you talk about moving the goalpost. That's where we are. And, and Fauci's admitted to, quote, moving the goalpost time and again. Let's talk about masks, right? In the beginning, Fauci said, nah, you don't need those things. No, nah, there, th- those things don't work. You need them for the medical personnel. They, they need that. And anybody that thinks that those things are going to protect you, don't, don't even bother with it. Am I right or am I wrong? Uh, that's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. The new, there's a new study out today. And no one wants to put their name on this. Uh, like no one wants to. Well, someone did put their name on it, but no one wants to peer review this because of the politics of it. This has become a tool of political control. There, there's no science behind this. None. I would be the first. I mean, if these things legitimately worked, then I would be the first one sitting here saying, OK, they they work. I, I will buckle. If that's what the actual research shows, then it shows it. But the fact is, is it doesn't show it. The real research of it doesn't show it. This, the studies of this, the control groups, it doesn't show that they're effective. Or they put it out and they say they're like, one, what was it? One point, the one we saw out of the, the Danish study, 1.3% effective, but the margin of error was between 1% and 3%. The margin of error renders it ineffective in the first place. Well, it, um, I believe it was two-thirds of the time it works for particles that are 2.5 microns or larger. And the virus is 0.018 microns. So mm-hmm. kind of doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop it. A new study's out that shows that mask mandates had, z- listen, zero effect in Florida or nationwide. Zero. Okay. Well, we talked yesterday. Florida's open. Florida's open. If someone wants to go out and wear a mask, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I got no problem with that. If that's what you want to do, if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel more comfortable, fine. But when you have a government that's forcing you to wear something, then what does it become? It becomes a tool of control. It becomes a target, if you will, a symbol. Do you remember we talked about the psychological trauma of public health, Bruce? You remember when we talked about that? Mm-hmm. I do. And we went down through Biederman's chart of coercion. Do, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, mind you, anybody can go back and listen to that. And we might re-air it uh, because it was the information that we've covered in there was just so important. And it's prevalent uh, to masks. And what the agenda is, or it could be rather, behind it. According to Biederman's chart, Albert Biederman's chart of coercion that's actually out there that's published by uh, uh, Amnesty International. We, as a matter of fact, we got that report right from their own website. You can go and check it out. And I know that that's been floating around more and more. I've been seeing it on some uh, chat groups and things like that floating around more and more. And so people, I think, are starting to see this in a different light for what it actually is. And that's what I said. It's this uh, this cult-like programming. And that's what it's turned into. It says that, let, let's go over some of this. It says that uh, no amount of evidence, data, trends, facts, studies, or science will ever convince most public health officials, and that term is used in quotes, public health officials, that masks aren't doing anything to stop the spread of COVID-19. If masks worked, then we wouldn't need social distancing, right? If right. we If we had social distancing and the masks, then we wouldn't need a vaccine. Is that correct? If those things yeah, work, I mean, we wouldn't need it. But yeah, now we need yeah, all three. Yeah. Well, the head of the CDC said before Congress that the mask is more effective than a vaccine. So 
if and he was holding up one of the the paper you know the blue and white paper ones that are pleated and three layer you know the the junk ones he was saying that's more effective than a vaccine if it's more effective than a vaccine why are we social distancing why are we shutting down and why do we have a vaccine this all should have ended already this all should be over because we we had an 80 plus percent of our population in the u.s wearing masks and they were wearing at least that quality now we have lockdowns. Okay, we're back to lockdowns again, right? We're we're a month or so into this, a couple of months into this, back to lockdowns. Well, if the masks worked, why do we need to lock down? Mm-hmm. Why are the cases going up? Oh, well, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Well, what are we supposed to do? You know, I think so many people are looking for the government to lead because people inherently, for whatever reason, it eludes me. You know, for what for whatever reason, I, I just can't I can't fathom how people want to be led around like sheep. And that, that's what's actually going on here is people are looking to the government for a solution. And I'm going to take a, a Ronald Reagan phrase here. I'm going to kind of botch it. But uh, we're looking for the solution in government when we're not recognizing that government is inherently the problem here. Your solution is not the government. The solution is you, the average person out there. And you think, OK, well, I'm just one person. Well, what's the government? They're a bunch of average nobodies. They don't have any stake in the communities that they claim to represent. They don't have any businesses. They don't sell products. They don't sell services. They are trying to take all of that away from you. So do they really represent you? You're looking to them for a solution to your problem when they are the problem. And if you can't see that by now, I'm not sure that I know what to tell you. Because if you bend a knee to this, it only gets worse. You notice how every time you try to conform to what they tell you to do, I'll just close this. I'll just do this or just do that. And you notice it always gets worse. It's always a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more because they know exactly what they're doing. And it's not in your best interest. It's not in my best interest, not in your community's best interest, your state, your nation, however you want to put it. They're not there to help you when the government says they are there for you. Now, let me put it this way. Uh, I'll take another Reagan phrase here. He said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And I've always heard that, you know, here's here's uh, here's the government with a smiley face looking to help you. Um, you know something? The average person out there that can think for themselves. We don't want the government to help us. We want the government to get the hell out of the way. Masks are useless. So what are we looking at here if they're useless? We're looking at programming. You're looking at mass manipulation of the population from a psychological standpoint. That's what it comes down to. They always use those arguments. Well, if it saves just one life, right? If it saves just one life. I have to ask because now that people are are using these masks all the time, at least, I mean, okay, to be fair, I'm seeing people use them less and less because I think people are finally starting to get wise to the fact, hey, look, people aren't dropping over dead on the streets. The hospitals are not getting full of people, even though that I mean, people can I think at this point, at least where I'm at, they can kind of tell that something's not right. I can tell you for a fact that social distancing is out the window. It's been out the window for months here. People don't social distance. I did see some people that were queued up or or lined up around uh, uh, a shop today, one that was open, actually, and they were lined up out the uh, out the parking lot because for some reason, we've got restrictions on how many people can go into a business. There is no scientific evidence, and you can use the same argument for restaurants. There's no scientific evidence. I haven't seen one single study other than media hype and political bull that has come out that suggests that restaurants and places of businesses and houses of worship are responsible for increased numbers of COVID. I'm not seeing that at all. Hmm. We're actually seeing the opposite of that. We're seeing that, um, for example, in New York, uh, the worst place in the world, might I add, uh, for COVID, um, restaurants accounted for 1.6% of the spread of COVID, 1.6%. 
And yet we have to shut down the restaurants. They're not working in Florida. Okay, so in Florida, right, for example, most counties so far, they've refused to implement these these mask mandates. All right. Some others in high population centers. So Orlando, Miami, Tampa, some of these places, they've already done that. Jacksonville, they've implemented some of these mask mandates. There's a comprehensive data analysis has been released of mask versus non-mask counties in the state. So let's take a look at that. A total of 22 of 67 counties in the state have implemented a mask order at some point during the period of May 1st through December 15th. Now, that doesn't sound like many, but these include almost half of Florida's largest metro areas. So if an area added a mask order at some point during the outbreak, the study's authors gave a 14-day period to allow time for cases to begin subsiding, right? Because that's what we're hearing. There's a 14-day delay, right? Because there's a there's an ace or the not an asymptomatic there's a um a, a time period before you start developing symptoms yeah and there's two also weeks. a delay in data right and there's a delay in data and testing and all that stuff reporting and all that stuff okay so mm-hmm. cases were summed for both mandate and non-mandate jurisdictions and adjusted per one hundred thousand people because that's what we're basing everything on is per one hundred thousand for the days of the mandates were or were not in effect okay that was the methodology that was used so if the masks did even close as advertised. One would expect to see the counties that went maskless to be absolutely, well, they'd be a dumpster fire, wouldn't they? They'd be a mess. They'd have overrun hospitals. People would be falling over dead in the streets. You'd have houses and residences full of dead people, and you'd have mobile crematoriums and everything going down the streets, right? Mm -hmm. So when counties did have a mandate in effect, there were 667,239 cases, okay? That was an average of 23 cases per 100,000 per day. All right. So that that's what they were basing that on. So when counties did not have a countywide order, are you ready for this? There were 438,687 cases with an average of 22 cases per 100,000 per day. Are we seeing a correlation here? So in other words, the counties with the mask mandates they actually did worse than those who refused to implement them. The authors even accounted for population densities in their analysis, suggesting that it didn't have an impact on the number because four of the 12 most populous counties in Florida never had a countywide order. When the eight did have an effect, uh, have an order in effect, there were 64 cases per 1,000. So in periods of 11 and 12, they didn't have a single one. You might say, well, that's just Florida, right? They've worked wonders in other parts of the country, right? I mean, they worked well in New York, right, Bruce? Yeah, we're having great success of masks in New York. Yeah, and California. And California, yeah. And by the way, flights are still running from New York to California, I might add. I mean, those are the two hot spots in the country over there. Supposedly, California is the worst it's ever been. It's the hottest spot in the nation over there right now. And so they're still taking flights in from California to Florida and New York to Florida. Where's all the cases? Where's all the the rapid spread? Where's all the... um, Where's all the death? Where's all the uh, the hospitalizations? It's not there. Well, the, so, the new strain is uh, still. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, yeah, yeah. The, those those damn British. Yeah, they. Do you see what they've done? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, they can't. They don't know what they're doing. They're outdated democracies. Yeah. The good folks at Rational Ground went on to compare some national numbers. Right. So let's take a look at what they had to say. When states did have a mandate in effect, there were nine million six hundred and five thousand two hundred and fifty six cases. And that averaged out to twenty seven cases per one hundred thousand per day. When states did not have a statewide order, there were five million at seven hundred and eighty one thousand seven hundred and sixteen cases, averaging 17 cases per one hundred thousand people per day. Now, the mainstream media will sit there and they will beat you over the head all day, every day about science-based, 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 evidence-based, evidence-based. Right there it is. And they don't want to pay attention to this. They want you paying attention to those death numbers, those case numbers, and nothing else. 
That's all they want you paying attention to. They don't want you paying attention to anything else. They don't want you paying attention to therapeutics. They don't want you paying attention to uh, what works and what doesn't. Shut up. Do what we tell you and wait for a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to point out that um, Rational Ground, uh, the, the the website there, that is a, uh, shall we say, conglomerate, a, a group of data analysts and scientists mm-hmm. that literally go over all this data and and formulate it and put it you in. Mean they're, you mean they're a bunch of crackpots? They're a bunch of crackpot conspiracy theorists. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they're science what deniers yeah. is what yeah. they really are. They're science deniers. Right, right. So the, the website is dedicated to this um basically going over this kind of stuff uh currently uh, you know right now which actually the website's down currently apparently i'm sure they're uh, a victim of multiple ddos attempts per day possibly yeah all right um let's let's get off of that apparently there's a resurgence in beijing have you heard about it um no i haven't heard much about that so they recorded they recorded five cases in mm-hmm. Beijing. Now, according this is according to the South Morning China Post. Now, uh, South China Morning uh, Post. Now, I'm sure that that's a credible source. Right. They've introduced new controls in the Chinese capital, and they say that the uh, the epidemic control situation is severe. Now they've got people out there in PPE, and and they're all suited up, face shields, masks, goggles everything and they're they're out there blasting the streets with all these chemicals and everything and yeah mm-hmm. they, they've carried mm-hmm. out yeah, bruce it's serious i saw a video of him yesterday uh sealing up buildings and and things like that i mean you, you've got to take this seriously mass testing carried out in two districts where new covid19 cases have been detected five new cases apparently uh and they're putting the city back into uh full lockdown and we've seen it in other parts of china but i mean they're partying in wuhan like it's 1999 so I'm going to chalk this up to propaganda, wouldn't you? I'm going to say it's propaganda, but I'm also curious if there's some kind of dissent or something going on uh, on a local level. Like, is there are, you know, people resisting or something? Are you losing a bit of your control? Uh, Is that why? Or is it just refining your control, if you will? I I think that there's always a uh, there's a big dissident movement in China. I mean, all the way around. There's a big dissident movement. It's just that they can't. Let that, and I think, by the way, I think one of the leading people behind that, I think, is uh, what's his name, Guo uh, Miles Guo, mm-hmm. which would make sense. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a um, how, how did the, how did the CCP call him? He's a he's a state fugitive, as they say. Yes. Which the guy? Okay, but to be fair, the guy. You, you look at him. Okay, he was essentially, it, it, and as strange as it might sound, he was like the Donald Trump of China, more or less. He was an architect. He was a real estate guy. He was a builder. That's what he would do. As a matter of fact, he built a lot of the. Uh, the hotels and, and casinos in Beijing and in parts of Shanghai, uh, Miles Quo did. Call him what you want, but um, he's uh, he's a very, I, I've heard him described as an acquired taste. I'll put it that way. But a lot of the information he puts out uh, is pretty credible. And he's no friend of the CCP, that's for sure. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. What I'm talking about is the dissident movement in China. And I think that COVID, to your point, Bruce, when you talk about dissidents and, and losing control, COVID is a way for them to crack down on political dissent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're kind of seeing that here in the States. Well, yeah, you're they're just a science denier. Right. Uh, but they're they're targeting uh, Christians currently, evangelicals specifically. Correct. They're going after them because these crazy evangelicals are largely Trump supporters, and they're largely the population that goes against the mask mandates. Um, ironically enough, they demand to um, exercise their First Amendment rights and meet in a house of worship. Like the, the, it's 
absurd the the, the demands that these these groups have. Yeah, I, I see your point, but I, I think it's more than that, isn't it? Yes, they're targeting Christians for sure, but they're also mm-hmm. targeting our businesses. They're also targeting mm-hmm. our everyday lives. Every single person is affected by this. If you were to look at what was being pushed before this climate change, right, the Green New Deal and all that stuff, well, now they have a reason to bring all that stuff in, but that wasn't really catching on. I mean, you really didn't have a surefire way to push the population to conform to your demands if you're a so-called elitist and you want to take over society. You just simply introduced, oh, something like this, and all of a sudden, boom, look what you've done. You've destabilized the world. You've put it into a state of flux, and now you can reshape it in whatever way you want. Although I think, again, like a lot of people are starting to see through this, but I think the uh, the bigger point here is that the uh, the elites themselves, I think they realize at this point what they've done. And I think they're in a state of panic at the moment. Now, you can call that crazy or, or whatever. I mean, that's entirely up to you. It's it's depending on how you're looking at it. And if you're looking at the same people that we're looking at, these people have, I mean, they've bitten off, I think, more than they could chew. They've jumped the shark, whatever you want to call it. And this is why we're seeing the acceleration. You notice the vaccines are here and they're, they're approved at lightning speed. And they're starting to roll them out even earlier than expected. They were supposed to have a plan to roll these things out to certain nations, and they've jumped the gun even on that because they're out of time. People are starting to wake up, and they're starting to wake up faster and faster. You know, there was a shooting in Berlin a few days ago outside the Socialist Party headquarters. And to be honest with you, and I don't think anyone was hurt. Well, excuse me. I don't think anyone was killed. I think a few people were hurt, uh, and they took them to hospital to get checked out. But uh, I don't think anyone was killed, thank God. But the, the thing is, is that this type of thing... And it's not going to be people like us, right? We're, we're just your average Joe. The problem is, is that you're going to have the people out there that you're going to take everything from that you're going to push to the extremes. And those are the ones that are going to fly off the handle. And do you think that those elites, do you think that they give a damn about you, the average politician that's going along with all this? You think they give a damn about you? You think that you've got a future in this system? You think your family has a future in this system? And that goes for all you cops out there too that are supporting all this. Now, I'm not going to sit here and blame the average cop. Because, again, I've worked side by side with a lot of you men and women, and you're great people, great integrity. You have an obligation. You have an obligation. Not to not to some government, not to some person. You have an obligation to refuse unconstitutional and illegal orders. You have a duty to do that. Your allegiance goes higher than a man. Your allegiance goes to the creator, just like the rest of us. I don't answer to you. I don't answer to a government. I, I don't answer to some pathetic politician or some influencer or whoever in the hell's out there. I answer to one person that's higher than me. And so do you, Bruce, don't you? Mm -hmm. Correct. That's who we take our orders from. You want to talk about a structure. That's all the structure you need. So I don't buy this crap that's coming out of uh, Beijing. I I haven't bought it uh, at all. So, I mean, they can go on and do whatever it is they're going to do. That's entirely fine. But if they're partying like uh, like party animals in Wuhan, and that's supposedly the source of this thing. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to. You're going to lock down Beijing for five cases when you've got the rest of the place. Up. Forget it. No, not going to happen. Uh, Senate hopeful. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ostoff, John Ostoff, one of the uh, the Georgia Senate runoff people. He has put out some interesting stuff on his Twitter feed. Have you seen this guy's Twitter feed? You looked at this? Uh, maybe at one point. I, I, okay. I don't recall. All right. Li- listen to this. Now, you tell me if you think that this guy has the American people's interest at heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. He has been promoting and hyping the reporting of Xinhua News Agency out of China, which, by the way, is a CCP news outlet. That's a Chinese Communist Party news outlet. And he's been giving multiple shout outs on his Twitter and has started sharing clips praising the advances of China's Navy. 
this is this is a guy that's running for the U.S. Senate who will have security clearance. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it, it, on the surface, it sounds like he's, um, you know, really cares about the American people and, and, and the um, interests of America uh, by promoting a news agency that um, um, greatly supports America. <laughs> Uh, by the way, he also has um, financial ties to uh, uh, some Chinese media companies and also Al Jazeera. I, I might add. I mean, just a just a small little thing there. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not much. Well, I mean, it's probably no coincidence that he's uh, uh, you know um, promoting mm-hmm. those media mm-hmm. sources. Uh huh. Yeah. So the State Department, the U.S. State Department, has described Xinhua as an integral component of the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda arm, which. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no argument there. Ostoff has also shared a Chinese language newscast from state run CCTV, who's or which is out of Shanghai, by the way, also hyping or excuse me, uh, outlet hyping how China's jets landed on an aircraft carrier. Oh, isn't that great? Isn't that great? Look, Bruce, they can land jets on an aircraft carrier. Welcome to the 20th century. That's that's great. So uh, he's now listen, listen to how he talks this up. Right. You ready for this? He says mm-hmm. this achievement marks a crucial step in the development of China's ambitious aircraft carrier program as landing tests of carrier based aircraft are the most challenging to perform. Capabilities of the carrier platform and the J-15 have been tested, meeting all the requirements. Excuse me. This is what the Chinese Navy says, uh, meeting all the requirements and achieving good compatibility. Now, mind you, that's what was shared in the in the video he put up. OK, so to be fair to, you know, the the military Landing an aircraft on an aircraft carrier is probably one of the most difficult landings it is. you will ever experience. So they're not wrong there. No, I'm, I'm, not, but, de- I'm um, not debating that. But I mean, oh, no, we, no. Were doing, yeah. we were doing that a century ago. Right. And that that's that's my next point is, um, as you said, welcome to the 20th century. I mean, we were already doing this back in the 1900s, which is so weird to say. But that was over 20 years ago, the 1900s, just 1999. But we were doing this back in what, the 50s? Hell, we were doing that back in the 40s, the aircraft carriers. So no, I'm not impressed. It's a great achievement, comrade. I don't hear the enthusiasm behind it. I, I'm waiting for your Twitter post, Bruce. Come on, retweet this guy, will you? Uh, yeah, about this how China a stole technology. That, this guy is a know. scumbag or, or was given technology by Joe Biden. What? Sorry. Not yet. Sorry. Uh, you know, that is there's truth to that. With There the, is uh, truth to that. The uh, 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 the, <laughs> the stealth technology for our submarines. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, oh, creepy Joe. Oh, you've been a bad boy. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. See, China's not. There's nothing to worry about with China. No, of course not. All right. Uh, speaking of creepy Joe, let's talk. Let's talk what this guy wants to do. OK, so let, let's just assume for the moment he's not going to. But let's just assume for the moment that he's going to uh, be in the office of the presidency. OK, let's just assume which. OK, let, let's just be honest. This dude, which, by the way, you notice he's MIA. He's hiding in a basement somewhere. <laughs> he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. He's nowhere to be found. N- neither is uh, Harris or any of the rest of this uh, this criminal group of people they're going to throw to the uh, the lions. They're not anywhere to be found. Even if Joe goes in, they're going to remove him by, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, what, spring? <laughs> I mean, the yeah. guy's going to be, he's going to be taken out and put in a in a lakeside house somewhere in a chair drinking a, an insure, okay? That's what they're going to do to this guy. And he's going to babble until he until he passes on. He'll have the position in name only. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about what he wants to do. He says that he wants to eliminate the death penalty. Now, I have an opinion on the death penalty. We've never really talked about the mm-hmm. death penalty here. And I, I guess we could talk about this for a few minutes because I think it's an interesting conversation to have to talk about the death penalty. But Agreed. he says that he, he he says that he wants to end it. There, there's a lot of people out there in different parts of the world, not just uh, not just the U.S., not just Europe, that are uh, against the death penalty. And there's a lot of people that are for it, but that mm-hmm. option isn't there. For example, um, I mean, I, I will talk about my own you know personal standpoint on it. I am for the death penalty in certain cases, in certain cases. And when I say certain cases, I mean you have got to have irrefutable evidence. I mean, there's got to be a and and, and I mean, it's got to be is what we call a slam dunk. It's got to be a slam dunk, and the, your crime has got to be extremely heinous. Uh, for for example. Do you remember the Norway shooting some number of years ago, Bruce? You remember that guy that went all crazy and shot all those people in mm-hmm. Norway? Bravik, mm-hmm. Andre Bravik, yeah. or whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. Okay, that guy, you know what he's going to get? He's going to get 25 years in prison for killing almost 100 people in cold blood. Now, in my opinion, that's somebody that deserves to die. Mm-hmm. But but in that case, you're giving them what they want. That's the other side to it. They want that to happen. I mean, there's other punishments that can be taken here. I mean, I think they have laws to probably keep him in prison for life. But the guy sitting there, he, he kills 100 people, including women and children, in cold blood on that island. And he's sitting there in the courtroom laughing about it. Uh, I'm sorry, Jack, you're not going to be laughing too long if, uh, if, the, uh, if justice has its way. I'm sorry, that's just how it is. We've killed people by the death penalty in the U.S. for less. A lot less. Yeah, I would argue death penalty for much less than what, what that was. Right, but. right. Now, like I said, I'm I'm for it, but I'm also not for it in other cases too. I mean, if you convict on circumstantial, just because you have a, uh, a you know a, a good arguing lawyer, I, I don't agree with that because I mean, how many people have yeah. we seen on death row that have had their sentences commuted and then completely overturned uh, yeah. because of uh, DNA evidence and all that stuff? So. Mm-hmm. I'm not for it in in those types of cases as well. And so it needs to be clear cut. It needs to be a slam dunk. And to be honest with you, I think that we should put it to the states on how it's done. Now, you can argue humane and all that stuff. (laughs) You and I were talking about this privately uh, last week. You're for the death penalty, are you not? I am. Yeah, you are. Okay. do you have any stipulations like I mentioned or or are you just Um, I I do have stipulations. I, I agree. It has to be clear cut. I mean, it can't be any of this. Um, as you, as you said, lawyers just making a good argument. I mean, maximum in that case, uh, you know, life sentence, but no death penalty. Death penalty is something you reserve for someone like, uh, for example, the Vegas shooter, right? Um, that, that happened to here fairly recently, or the, the shooter that shot up, um, some of our, our, um, senators and reps, you know, uh, at the ball game, you know, something like that, I, I think is, um, warrants, um, execution, but also treason. I, I'm for treason being execution. Yeah. And really, I, I think I that should be that. used more often. Uh, that should be explored more often, shall I say, um, because we have people like, I don't know, the, the Bidens who are selling national Clint- secrets to other Clintons. countries, Clinton, yeah, with the uranium stuff. And uh, so uh, the other one that, that I would uh, maybe argue, uh, rape. Yeah, I, I, I go would also that. argue. And, I, and I very, that. not like... Uh, you were in a relationship. Now you're you're um, you, you had consensual sex, and now you're regretting it. So now you're going to claim it's rape. No, like clear rape. Like yeah, that's assault. a different thing. You yeah, know? you're you're talking yeah, about yeah. like life threatening. I mean, in cold blood kind of thing. I mean, one step shot. Yeah, murder. right. Exactly. So that I think uh, execution. Um, yeah. I also yeah. live in a in a state that um, still has the um, firing squad 
That's what I was going to bring up was exactly that because you're one of, and I I was actually thinking about that. I was like, you're one, you're like the only state left that actually allows a firing squad and people, I mean, they think that, that that's just like heinous. It's actually not, is it? It's to be fair. I think it's, I think it's humane. I know that might sound Uh, bad, but you have to think about how they do it now. At least, okay, this is how they used to do it. This is how I've read about in history books. I don't know if they do that in, by the way, what's that? I don't like this, by the way. I know what you're going to say you on how they used to do it, and I don't like. Oh, that. Uh, well, okay, no, 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 no. I, I was uh, okay. I was thinking they they load all of the um, uh, they 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 have obviously the people up there in the squad, but they only load one with live rounds. The others are blanks, so they don't know who fired the kill shot, and so yeah. you leave that doubt in someone's yeah. mind, so they don't have the psychological kickback from it. Okay, of, first of, of all, uh, the, the, these are the reasons I have issue with that. Number one, sometimes one bullet isn't enough. Okay. Sometimes True. one True. bullet will leave them suffering. It's not good enough for that that sense. Uh, number two, if you've ever fired a gun and fired a blank, you know the difference. It is very clear what a blank is and what a real bullet is. Yeah. So one no. has kick and you one give does them, not. Yeah. You give them all live ammunition and not just live ammunition, but hot loads, which means um, there's more grains in there than what you're usually firing for target practice, for example. Uh, well, it's a term we use for hunting. You, you, you target practice with uh, fewer grains, and then when you actually go hunting, you use more grains for more punch. No, uh, that, I, I, if you're going to go firing squad, go all out. Every single one of them has live bullets. I think it's also the same comparison you could make to like buckshot versus slugs. There's a big difference between yeah. those two rounds yeah. you throw in a, uh, a shotgun. But right. OK, let, let's look at the, like, for example, uh, where, where I am in in mainland Europe. OK, they don't have the death penalty here. Now, here's what's interesting about it. The EU, I don't think actually I don't think the EU as a whole has a death penalty. Any member state, I don't think they have the death penalty, which, by the way, M- Malaysia, that's that's crazy. Do you know what happens in Malaysia if you get caught drinking and driving death by firing squad? I kid you not. That's your first offense. That's your only offense. But that's your first offense. The thing here is, is it's just really weird. Belarus is the only country that has the, the death penalty still. OK, Last year. all right. Is when it ended for the EU. last year's when it ended. Okay, but yeah, here here's the interesting thing about it is the EU, at least unless this has changed, the EU doesn't have the death penalty, with the exception of Belarus, like you just mentioned. However, they sell American states the drugs that we need to carry out lethal injection. Now you figure that one out. Now, obviously, each one of these drugs by themselves, I don't think are actually um Uh, are actually harmful. But when you administer them in a certain order, and I wish GP was in here to talk about this, when you administer them in a certain order, that's what causes uh, the reaction and, uh, and it stops their heart and they just pass on. But we don't actually make those in the US. The EU actually has those and we we purchase them from them. So who's pro death penalty and who's not here, right? Uh, Yeah, you're you're right, by the way, the um, they use three drugs and actually one of them is actually any one of them are, are technically fatal. One of potassium them is a sedative. Chloride. Yeah, one of them is a sedative. One of them is potassium chloride, which stops the heart. Stops the heart. other one uh, is Pavilon, uh, pancuronium mm-hmm. bromide or something like that. Anyway, okay. causes muscle paralysis and um, respiratory arrest. So that one will kill you as well. Uh, so you, you get you get double teamed with that one. Honestly, uh, people can survive uh, a lethal injection. They can actually not really survive it, but it can be really ghastly. And I, I don't think lethal injection is as humane as something like hanging or firing squad or even 
um, guillotine. Uh, I think those are more humane, though they're messy, than lethal injection. You know, guillotine—that's just awful. That's just awful. I don't even want to think about that it, because I, I've—I've—I yeah. read about, or I've read about. I don't read about it now. I've, I've read about uh, the French Revolution. Oh man, those things—they mm-hmm. have an unquenchable thirst. Believe me, they do. Uh, They—that is just. I mean, it is uh, off with their head. I mean, that's that's what it was. I mean, in French Revolution, horrible. You know what I found interesting was—is when I was a kid, I went to tour the. Uh, state penitentiary where I was. Of course, it was closed. And mm-hmm. it was, I mean, they'd moved them all to new facilities. And it was the old one from the early 1900s or late 1800s, mm-hmm. early 1900s. And it was the one with like the big stone walls all the way up to the top and, you know, the sniper towers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they um, they had it open for tours and, and things of that nature. And of course, went through, saw the electric chair. You know something? You go and you stand next to an electric chair. I don't care which one it is. I don't care where it is. You go stand next to an electric chair. I don't care if you're an adult, if you're a kid, there's just something that's bad about it. There, yeah. you, there's just something eerie. that hits you. It is eerie. It is absolutely mm-hmm. eerie when you stand next to that thing. Old Sparky is what they called it. And there's just something about it that is just, it's creepy. It's absolutely creepy. I mean, it will send chills down your spine. I kid you mm-hmm. not. And yeah, I still I remember it. I don't remember much else about that trip. I do remember one other thing that I wanted to mention, but when they were talking about state executions, okay? Mm-hmm. And the electrocutions, those were obviously, that was... Um, at least in, in the state of Ohio at the time, it was just used uh, inside and it was done by, you know, obviously the prison staff and, and people that, you know, family or whatever, uh, victims, family and all that stuff uh, to, to watch. But um, it, um, there's just, there's something about, there's two things about that trip. And I, that's, that's why I wanted to tell this. There's two things about that trip that I remember to this day. And I was really young when I went on that trip. There's two things about it that I remember. One was the electric chair and two was they walked us through the building. This part was outside and it was away from uh, the prison itself. It was outside of the prison wall. And it was the place that they actually had the public hangings when they still had public hangings in the state of Ohio. It was a two-story building, but they would have them up on the second story. The, uh, the, um, uh, the convict and, uh, and the prison staff, they would be up on the second story. The townspeople would be underneath, right? So... You would. And of course, I mean, like I said, it's different in every state. But where my state was, it was it's just it was weird. I you, I mean, we were standing. I remember to this day, I remember standing right underneath where the trap door was and they opened the trap door. I mean, obviously, they um, it, it's a historical landmark and everything, but they opened the trap door just so you could see how it was done. And they uh, they opened this thing and you could see exactly where they would drop. I mean, it was exactly the same spot and they would have it to where the public would be underneath. I mean, that's what the public would do back then. They would have a whole bunch of people that were, I mean, we're talking like, you know, colonial days, 1800s, you know, up through that. I think they quit public hangings, uh, 1900s in the US and or in the uh, in the state of Ohio. And people would go, they would take the kids. Yeah, you'd make a day of it. It'd be in the middle mm-hmm. of the afternoon, you'd have a picnic, right? <laughs> you'd see the public hanging. And I know this sounds bad, but I mean, we look at it now and we, it almost seems barbaric, but mm-hmm. that's how it was. That's how it was. I mean, that's a historical fact. And what was the creepiest thing about it? And and I don't like I said, I don't remember much about the trip other than these two things. And this was the the most chilling part of uh, of those public hangings that I learned about. And that was when sometimes when they would drop, sometimes the noose wouldn't catch right because you have to tie the noose in a certain way. Sometimes it wouldn't catch right and they would fall through it. The convict would fall through it or their neck would break, but they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't pass away from it. And so they would be literally they would just be picked up and they would be drug off and placed into a cart and they would just bring the next one up and they would just wait 
until all of them were done for the day or the afternoon or whatever it was. And then they would haul them off uh, by the horse and wagon and they would, you know, uh, dispose of them. But I mean, that that's how far we've advanced as a civilization and as a society. We have become a lot more humane than that. I mean, I I'm glad that we've moved on, as in we still have the sense of I mean, we have the death penalty because of what's actually stated, right? An eye for an eye. Isn't that kind of what we base it upon is is that? Yeah, sort of. It's more of a there's some people in society you just can't. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Rehabilitate. There's just some people you can't rehabilitate. And uh, what do you do with them? You can't put them back in society. Yeah, but that's why I said I'm uh, I'm for the death penalty in certain cases. Uh, yeah. And I'm I'm certainly happy that uh, that we've moved on past these old methods, shall we say. And mm -hmm. um, it's I think that the most common way now to go about the death penalty in the U.S. is lethal injection. I mean, I think that's pretty much used universally where they have it. Uh, yeah. Electric chair and, and hangings. I think those are all gone. You, you still use the firing squad. But I think that's only in extreme circumstances, right? When there's no other option. Yeah, that, that's a secondary. If we, if you don't have like the, the chemicals for lethal injection, then they would do firing squad. As far as the gallows, that was ended in 1980, or excuse me, that was ended in 1897 and replaced by electrocution. Um, the facility you're talking about, they did 28 hangings and 315 electrocutions. In my state? Uh, uh, I think it's specifically the, the penitentiary you're talking about. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was in West Virginia. Sorry. Uh, Moundsville. Okay. Moundsville State Penitentiary. Yeah, that's the one I went to. Okay. I also went to the one in Ohio, but this is the one where I saw the. Uh, uh, this is one where they talked about the hangings and the and the electric chair. Uh -huh. Well, I I did actually did a um, um, tour, if you will, uh, in elementary school of uh, a, a penitentiary, but mm -hmm. it was brand new, just had been built, mm -hmm. and we went on a field trip there before they had any inmates. Uh, and, and I've actually listened to this one that, yeah, this, this will, this will freak you out. I've actually been to the state penitentiary in Ohio. It's in Noble County. I've actually been to that one and I've gone mm -hmm. through it with prisoners in it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. If you can believe that. Now, mind you, I wasn't, I wasn't a guest there. I was, uh, I was on an official tour with the, uh, the prison staff. And so, uh, I was, I was actually in, I mean, walking in and amongst them, uh, in and amongst the inmates. Uh, that was that was a real thing. Uh, and that I do remember because you get around uh, people like that. You, you just don't forget it. And little did I realize that later down the line in life that I would be helping them keep that facility uh, well stocked, shall we say. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's funny because there are still people in there that I put in there. And it's yeah, it's interesting. Anyway. All right. We're out of time. So we are going to have to go. But uh, yeah, I want to talk about the death penalty. Do you think he's actually going to get rid of it? Uh, Let me put it this way. Do you think uh, forget Biden? Do you think the U.S. will actually get rid of the death penalty in general? Mm, well, some states might. Some states already have. Uh, but as far as the U.S. as a whole, um, I think they will attempt it. But there'll be states like Oklahoma, for example, and Texas that won't get rid of it. So it depends on if they try to strong arm those states into doing what the, um, the federal government says, which means you have to throw out the federal system, which means mm -hmm. it, it's the left is very choosy on when they like federalism. They like federalism when it comes to uh, immigrants and drugs, but as really anything else, they don't like federalism. They, they want you to do as you're told. So we'll see. 
We shall see. All right. Uh, we're out of time, so we are going to have to go. But uh, nice conversation. For those of you who would like to get in touch with us, you can do so anytime by reaching out to us on the social media platform of Parlor. You can parlay to myself. You can parlay to Marty. You can follow me and get in contact with me at Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty or get in contact with him at Marty Foster. Also, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we do need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts or any other respective platform you listen to us on and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 